It's a blessing to be able to be with you again today as we continue our study in the book of Philemon. And today we come to verses 11 through 16. So just a brief review, the book of Philemon is a letter written from Paul to Philemon. Philemon had a church in his home and one of his slaves, a slave named Onesimus, had run away. And in Rome... Onesimus had been converted. He had become a believer and he had gotten to know Paul. Paul was in prison or house arrest in Rome. And now in this letter, Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon again. But Paul is sending a letter along with him and also a request. So let's see what we can learn from this very personal account of Onesimus and Philemon. We'll read verses 11 through 16. Formerly he, that's Onesimus, was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So in today's passage, we will be looking at forgiveness, at repentance, and also at doing good things for others, not out of compulsion, but of our own free will. So we'll go through verse by verse. In verse 11, we see that he says, formerly he was useless to you. Well, a runaway slave is no good for his master. When Onesimus had run away to Rome, his usefulness to Philemon ended. Philemon no longer received any benefit from Onesimus. He was far away physically and in spirit. But now it says he is useful to you and to me. And so what we see in this verse is that Onesimus had been transformed. Now we don't know the circumstances that led to him becoming a slave or that led to him fleeing. Some people became slaves when they sold themselves in order to pay a debt. Others were taken by the government perhaps for not paying their taxes or for other crimes. Whatever the reason, Onesimus had run away. Like most people in his position would be, he was likely bitter, frustrated, perhaps angry at Philemon, perhaps angry at life itself. Now, it also appears from later in verses 17 through 18 that Philemon had perhaps taken money. Sorry, Onesimus may have taken money from Philemon when he ran away. It says in verse 18, if he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. So it could be that Onesimus had taken some things on the way out the door. If his attitude was still bitter and resentful, even if he was forced to return, he still would not be useful to Philemon. But this verse in 11 shows that Onesimus had repented. He had been transformed. First, we see that he is useful to Paul. Well, who was useful to Paul? People who would partner with Paul in the gospel, partner with him in ministry, serve together with Paul in building the church and in building God's kingdom. 
That is a kind of person who is useful to Paul. And so Paul has a very close, very personal relationship with Onesimus. And from that, we can see that Onesimus was not a bitter or resentful or hateful individual, but that he had been transformed by the power of the gospel. Now, there's other evidences that Onesimus had repented. Verse 12 says, I'm sending him back to you. So clearly Onesimus was going back to Philemon. And if he'd not repented, he wouldn't go back. Paul, of course, could not force him to. Paul was a fairly old man at this stage, and Paul was also in prison himself. He had no means by which to force Onesimus to do this. But Onesimus had chosen to go back with uh, with this letter, and I believe Tychicus was sent back also uh, at the same time. So Onesimus was choosing to go back to the person who was his master and the person that he'd originally run away from. That shows clearly that he had uh, had a change of heart in regards to how he should treat Philemon. So a change of direction is clear evidence of repentance. In fact, the word repentance in Hebrew in the Old Testament means something like to turn, to turn away from something that is our sin and to turn to God. And Onesimus was doing this. He was turning away from his former life, his running away from his problems, and he was turning back to the Lord as evidenced by the fact he was going back to face Philemon. So from this, we can learn about repentance. Repentance means turning, turning from our sin to the Lord. And if you have wronged someone, you need to go back to that person and then to confess to that person face to face, one to one. That is an integral aspect of repentance. Now, Paul also says that sending Onesimus was was like sending his very heart. So we see that repentance results in a change of attitude and behavior. Onesimus had been running from Philemon, now he was going back. We cannot say that we are repenting of something if we refuse to face those mistakes, if we refuse to confess or seek reconciliation. It's easy to say, I'm sorry. It's easy to say that we repent, but it's actually more difficult to face the person that we have wronged. So if there's anyone that you have wronged, then I hope that this lesson, this story will encourage you to go back to that person face-to-face, one-to-one, and confess whatever you have done to him or her. And Paul says that he is sending him back to you. Verse 12, again, I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Now, the word forgiveness is not mentioned in the book of Philemon. There's no detailed doctrinal explanation of what forgiveness is. But nonetheless, this is a book about forgiveness. And this shows us what forgiveness looks like in action. Onesimus needed to forgive Philemon for whatever wrongs had been done to him. And it was only by forgiving Philemon that he could return and face him. At the same time, Philemon needed to forgive Onesimus for running away and perhaps for stealing some of his things on the way out. This relationship had been wrecked by sin. Now, even the very relationship itself, a slave-master relationship, is the result of a fallen condition of man after Adam and Eve's rebellion in the garden. And 
Sin creates a mess to clean up. Sin creates resentment. Forgiveness is essential ingredient in cleaning up this mess, in fixing the problem, in bringing about true restoration. Now, if either side was unwilling to forgive, no band-aid solution would work. Now, I often talk to my children about the issue of forgiveness because we are six people under one roof. And we often sin against each other because we are human. And we have a sin nature. And so if we don't forgive each other, those sins will just keep stacking up higher and higher and higher until we cannot see anything else except for our sin toward one another. So we have to have a reset, a refresh to forgive, to confess, to just wipe away those previous sins, to deal with them so that we can move forward with a clean slate. Otherwise, the relationships will have more and more baggage. Now, another thing that we see is that Philemon was to receive Onesimus. He says, I'm sending him back to you. Now, part of that is that Onesimus needs to receive him. Forgiveness requires receiving back the offending party. Now, verse 16 says, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. So he was to receive Onesimus as a brother. Forgiveness requires receiving the offending party. Philemon could have refused to have him back. He, or, according to the law at that time, he could have called on the authorities and had Onesimus tortured or killed for running away. Or he could have received him but harbored ill will and saw every chance to afflict Onesimus. Paul asked Philemon not to do any of those things but to receive him back as a beloved brother. So forgiveness means receiving someone. It means reconciling to that person. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there someone who if they called you or visited you, gave you a gift, sent you a letter, you would just reject or deny that and refuse to receive them? One important aspect of forgiveness is to open the lines of communication. It's likely not forgiveness if we say, I forgive you, but I never want to talk to you or see you again, and I won't answer your call if you call me. Part of forgiveness is receiving that person, hearing them out. Or maybe we even need to take the initiative to go and find that person and seek reconciliation like Onesimus did. That's difficult. We are often prideful and we don't want to lose face by going to those people and bringing up these, you know, old wounds or scars or even confessing the wrongs that we have done. We need to humble ourselves and be willing to admit our mistakes and take initiative to find the people that we have wronged. So, application, is there someone that you need to forgive or is there someone that you need to repent to? A relationship that needs to be restored, then reconcile. Paul says that he is sending his very heart. We see Paul had gotten so close to Onesimus. He loved him. He cared for him. It was hard to see him go. Paul was imprisoned in Rome and many people would not associate with Paul because they were afraid. Because Paul 
was a prisoner, and Onesimus was willing to associate with him when some others would have called Paul a criminal. For Paul's part, he was willing to befriend a runaway slave who was also a criminal in the eyes of the law. So we learn that believers should not show discrimination. Jesus spent a lot of time with people who were considered to be social outcasts. And like him, we should love and care for and value and willingly hang out with those from every level of society. So Paul and Onesimus were willing to hang out with, to spend time with each other, even though society would have looked down on both of them. Paul says in verse 13, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. So Paul's personal preference was that Onesimus could stay with him in Rome. He says, I I wish I could just keep him. I would like to keep him here. I enjoy his company. I value his friendship. But Paul did not prioritize his own feelings or welfare. Philemon needed to give up something to receive Onesimus back. Onesimus needed to give up something in order to humble himself and return to the situation he had run from. To solve this issue, each person had to sacrifice something, and Paul had to sacrifice someone who had become very close to him and a very good companion. Well, Paul was practicing what he preached in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul practiced what he preached. He wasn't just concerned for himself. If so, he would have kept Onesimus there. But he was concerned for these two Christian brothers, that their relationship be restored and that reconciliation take place. So the application, again, this whole book of Philemon is reminding us we need to solve relationship conflicts. In Ephesians, it tells us that we should work hard to maintain unity, to be diligent to maintain unity, because relationships are a lot like everything around us in society. Entropy means that things descend from order into disorder. If you were to build a house on the beach or anywhere, and then leave it there for 10 years and come back, you will find that many things are broken and run down because no energy has been put into making repairs. Relationships are very similar as well. We, again, are sinners and we will naturally sin against others. And if those sins are not dealt with, if they're not solved quickly, then they will fester and they will rot and decay and those situations will then affect many other situations within a relationship. That's why you oftentimes have a couple and it could be a very, very simple disagreement about you know the time that one spouse comes home or a, a small purchase at the supermarket or whatever small thing it might be and then it somehow escalates into a big, big argument between the two because in the middle of that argument, they each one start bringing out uh, this is what you did the last time and you always do this and you never do that and then all of these things come in because they've never really been solved and there are still wounds and grudges underneath the surface which are just festering and they're not dealt with. So if you are in the middle of a relationship conflict, then you need to do everything within your power to solve it. Romans says that you should do 
as far as it depends on you to be at peace with all people, to do everything within your power to solve those situations. Maybe there's something you need to sacrifice. Maybe there's something you need to give up. If each person insists on his own rights in the situation, then it will likely never be solved. Going forward, we will look at verses 14 through 16. Paul says, But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. I find this verse really interesting. Paul could have made an executive decision. Paul could have said, Onesimus is going to stay with me in Rome. Uh, This is for the ministry and for the building of the church. And then he could have written and informed Philemon that this was indeed best for all involved. But Paul does not take advantage of of his office as apostle. In fact, again, coming back to verse 1, he doesn't even state his credentials as an apostle in his conversation, in, in his letter to Philemon. His status did not give him any control over Philemon's personal life. Now, if he'd made a decision without Philemon's agreement, he could have opened himself up to charges of conflict of interest and abuse of authority. So Paul chose wisely to appeal to Philemon. Now, did Paul actually have the authority to tell Philemon to basically forgive and set free Onesimus? I think it could be argued that he did have this authority. Certainly, he had the authority to tell Philemon to forgive Onesimus because that is a command that is repeated many times in the New Testament and every believer should do. Paul, being Philemon's spiritual leader, could have commanded him to do that. So Paul did have position. He did have status as an apostle. One could argue he did have authority to tell Philemon what to do. But we're reminded here not to abuse our authority. Jesus said we should not rule over others, but instead we should serve them. Being a leader does not mean that we have the right to boss people around. Church leaders also should not overstep their boundaries and take charge of members' personal lives. Parents have the authority given by God to command their children what to do. But that doesn't mean that it's always best just to issue many commands. Now, for little kids who are one, two, three, four years old, they're learning how to obey authority. We should give them more direct instructions. Go brush your teeth and clean your room and throw away the trash. This is very good. But as kids get older, then giving direct commands becomes a little bit less uh, useful, a little bit less helpful. And sometimes it's better to give more advice or encouragement, especially as as kids get into the the teenage years. Uh, One example could be like my children earn some money. And I think it's good for them to give money to the Lord to make offering. Should I just command them to do so? I could tell them give 20% or give 50% of everything you earn to God. And then they would be required to do that as my children. But is that beneficial for them to just do it kind of like as a robot because their parent told them to? I think it's more beneficial if they decide to do that out of the goodness of their heart or out of their own volunteer spirit, out of sincerity, not out of compulsion. That's why Paul says, I prefer to do nothing without your consent. 
that it not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. It's better for people to choose to do something good on their own than to be forced to do it from outside. Paul shared a similar thought in 2 Corinthians 9.7. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So give not reluctantly or under compulsion. Paul wanted Philemon to do it out of his heart, out of the sincerity and out of the good nature, the kindness of his heart, not just because Paul forced him or made him do it. So there's a lesson for us in that. If we have authority over others, maybe a teacher over students, parent over children, a leader in the church over those in the church, then consider is it wise or useful to give a direct command or is it better to give encouragement and ask people to give or to serve of their own free will. If Philemon was made to do this, then it would rob him of a blessing and a growing opportunity. So volunteering with a sincere heart is very, very important. So this takes a lot of wisdom, I think, a lot of discretion to know when a leader should give a, a direct command and when he should give more encouragement and leave it up to the kids and some or, or the, the students or what have you. And, you know, I, I know my kids sometimes find that difficult as well because they say, uh, Dad, when you suggest for us to clean our room before we go outside and play, what does that mean? Do we really have to do that or not? So there are some gray lines there, uh, some gray areas uh, it's a tricky line to to walk straight across. But the basic point is, yeah, we need to use wisdom and discretion to know when to encourage other people to do something out of the out of their own accord, out of their own will, rather than by compulsion. All right, going forward. Verse 15. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother. So God was accomplishing his sovereign plan. God used the situation for good in each of their lives. Now, this conflict was not enjoyable, but in the end, it resulted in Onesimus's conversion, as well as character growth for both Onesimus and Philemon. Let's look up a verse in Romans 8, 28. It says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So God was using this situation between Onesimus and Philemon for good in their life to bring about character growth. You may also be facing strife in a relationship. Perhaps you feel that you've been treated unfairly. Maybe that unfair treatment is causing some resentment to build up inside of you. Attack that resentment with this promise from God, telling yourself, even this person's unkindness toward me, God wants to use for good in my life as a growing opportunity to draw me closer to Christ and learn to depend on him. Maybe one day you will look back on this trial and realize that a lot of good came about because of it. Now, Paul says that he should welcome him back as a brother. We've seen that forgiveness involved receiving Philemon. Here we see it involves restoring Philemon. 
Forgiveness would enable their relationship not only to be healed, but to be improved. Which is better, a brother or a slave? Well, a slave can provide some financial benefit, but a brother in Christ could make an eternal influence. Now, this appears also to me to be a subtle request to free Onesimus. He's better to you as a brother than he is as a servant. So, free him. If Philemon viewed Onesimus as a brother rather than a slave, surely he would treat him in a gracious and kind manner. So the following verses, I think, also imply that Paul wanted Philemon to set Onesimus free and send him back to serve with him in Rome. So again, uh, Paul asks Philemon to change his outlook and to view him as a brother. For us today, we can consider too, it's better to have a spouse than a servant. So don't boss your spouse around. It's better to have a child as a friend than as a servant. So don't just view your children as slaves, people whom you can boss around to do your work for you and to get your shoes so you can stay and watch television instead of getting out from the recliner. It's better to have a friend than an employee. Do not treat the people in your life as servants. They are people with a soul. Their purpose for existence is not your comfort or material gain. Instead, let us humbly serve others, putting their needs before our own. When we do that, when we care for people, when we love people, when we put their needs first, then we gain friends, brothers and sisters for life, which is better than any short-term material benefit which we could get from them. I hope this Lesson in Philemon 11 through 16 was encouraging to you, and I hope that you will join us next time as we finish up this chapter in this book. God bless, and see you then. To see our entire library of over 800 Bible studies, please visit our website at www.studyandobey.com.